Good morning, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. All those who are in the house and those who are joining us online, whether today on Father's Day or later sometime in the week or heck, even a year from now, happy Father's Day to you. And thank you for finding this time and making this time to celebrate and worship with us. Happy Father's Day to my dad, who's actually here. So that's pretty cool to get to preach on Father's Day in front of your dad. So that's, that's awesome. So I'm thankful for that opportunity. And I'm not going to lie to you, there is a whole lot of verses and scripture that we're going to go through today. So I'm going to be very fast and very quick so that we can get to lunch with our fathers uh, later this afternoon. And I also, one thing I want to do is I want to show off the best Father's Day gift that anybody could ever give. And these are (laughs) socks with my son's face on them. So these are the coolest thing that I have ever gotten, the best gift ever. (laughs) So... It was pretty awesome, so I'm thankful for that, as well as many other things on Father's Day. And to be able to to preach a Father's Day message, being a father, is something that is special and that I am thankful to have this privilege and opportunity to do. And if I've never met you, my name is Alex, and I get to be part of the pastoral leadership team here at The Vine. And so I'd love to connect with you, answer any questions I can, or or pray with you and for you. So please feel free to reach out to us. You can email us at hello at thevine.tv. And I've told my wife this before, is that there are many great days in my life, but three of the greatest are the day that the Lord saved me, the day that I married my wife, and then our son's birthday. So there's just something special about being a father. There's something special about being a parent. And it doesn't mean that you have to be by blood, right? It doesn't mean that you have to give birth to that child to be their parent, to love them like a father and like a mother. But there's something special about it. And I want to ask you a question today uh, as we get started. And I want you to really think on this is, how do you see God? When you think about God, in what way do you perceive Him? What characteristics come to mind when you think of God in your life? Because if you look in Scripture all the way from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, you can find tons of characteristics, tons of names, tons of labels that identify who God is. Some of them are mighty, powerful, creator, judge, good, loving, kind, righteous, giving, caring, compassionate, strong, protector. But I think there's a name and a characteristic that sums every single one of those up the best, and it's Father. Because God is Father. And not just a Father, but God is actually our Father. Do you yourself, personally, in your life, think of God as your Father? Does that context and concept make sense to you? Because if I were to ask you, you know, how you think of God, it probably falls into two categories. The first is you see God as loving and relational. The second is that you see God as angry and distant, or at best, indifferent and distant. And even those who would go as far as saying that they don't believe in God or they don't think God is real, if they had to hypothetically take a moment to believe in God, they would probably say that they feel like he is indifferent and distant because he would not care about them. They've never met him They don't believe they've ever experienced his presence. 
And so you probably fall into one of those two categories when it comes to how you think of God. And for many of us, we project our earthly father experiences onto God, good or bad. And even if we don't really mean to, we do it just out of habit, just naturally. And that's not the case for everybody. So if you've had a bad earthly father experience, doesn't mean that you see God that way. Because some people with bad, negative, and almost non-existent experience with earthly fathers have come to know and see God as the good, good father that he truly is. And I hope and pray that by the time we leave today, that whether you walked in knowing that God was a good, good father, that you will walk out knowing that God is a good, good father. You see, Scripture tells us, as we listed out earlier, all these characteristics about God. And one of the things that it tells us time and time again is that God is our heavenly father. Isaiah 64, verse 8. If you're taking notes, you can take them in our app, by the way. Or if you want to write them down, hopefully your thumbs aren't going to get too tired and you won't get carpal tunnel after writing all of these uh, verse references down. But in Isaiah 64, verse 8, it says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Then if you fast forward, additionally, Jesus tells us when he is talking to his disciples in Luke about how to pray. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John taught his disciples. In verse 2, he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. The word I want to focus on here is obviously the first word that Jesus instructs his disciples and teaches them as a way to greet God, and it's Father. There's a reason that Jesus would have this be the first way and the way to identify God in this prayer. And the word that Luke is using here is pater in Greek, and it means one who imparts life and is committed to it. A progenitor, bringing into being to pass on the potential for likeness. So let's take that definition of that word father, and let's look at some scripture and see if it identifies God. So remember the first part is imparts life and is committed to it. Revelations 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So in short, that's just telling us life does not exist without God's intervention. This physical, natural life that you and I experience, whether you believe in God or not, doesn't happen if it was not for God. The breath you have in your lungs comes from God. You are here because God put you here. Psalm 139 verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And the psalmist is writing and talking to God because God created us as a father and put us here. He gave us life. He imparts life. And remember that part that says committed to it? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 8, 6. It says, yet for us there is one God, 
the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. You see, out of this verse, Paul identifies God again as a father. As a father, not just as God, not just as creator, but as father. And then he goes on to talk about how we are created by God, right? Because we looked at that in the verse before. So not only are we from God who created all things, but whom we exist or for whom we exist. You see, God doesn't just create us, give us life, and then turn away and go do something else more important. You see, that's how a lot of people look at their life. And they say, well, you know, I believe that there's a God, but I don't think he really cares about me. Why would my life matter to him? But it does, because he is committed to us and wants us to have a life that is committed to him because we exist for him. And then there was a part in that definition that talked about passing on likeness. That is a father, right? As a father, your children look like you. Well, if you go all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis 1, verse 27, it tells us, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So see, simply just by definition of the word father, God is a father. Just by definition. And then we saw it through the scripture references there. But the question that you have to ask yourself is, do you believe in God? How do you see him? And do you see him as father? Do you have a relationship with God the Father? You see, it's all about our relationship with him. That's the part that we have to figure out in our own lives. No one else can do that for us. You see, in the Bible, in all the scripture that we've talked about already, everything that we're going to look at here in just a moment, tells us two things in regards to fatherhood. The first is that as fathers, as earthly fathers, it encourages us and it tells us our responsibilities for our children. And the second thing is, as children, which we all are, it tells us how God has cared for us as our father. You see, so whether or not you've looked at God as father in your life before, I want you to see through the lens of Scripture how he has been present every step of the way, even when you didn't know it. And that he has been there taking care of you just as a father does for their child. So what I want to run through here this morning are five responsibilities of a father. And I'm going to go through them kind of quickly because I don't want to take up too much time on them. But these are five responsibilities that we have as fathers. So fathers, this is a challenge for us to live these out every single day. But it's also for all of us as children of God to see how God has been a father in our lives. The first responsibility a father has is to discipline his children. Now this is from personal experience, one of the more difficult responsibilities that we have as fathers. This is hard. It is extremely challenging. It isn't fun for anybody involved, but it's one of the most important things that we can do for our children. As a father, to discipline your child is top of the list. Now, the thing is, though, we have to realize that discipline doesn't equate to hate and anger. It doesn't mean to be mad or upset, but rather discipline comes from a place of love 
and caring for your child. You care about them. It's about wanting something better for your child than what they may even want for themselves. Or the situation and the circumstance they find themselves in, you want better for them than that. Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 through 5, Moses is speaking to the children of Israel. And he's telling them about some instructions that God has given to them. And in verse 1, he says, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. You see, Moses, as he's talking to the children of Israel, to the people of Israel, he is acting basically as their spiritual father. He's not giving them commands that he came up with on his own, but rather what God has given to him to share and to teach Israel to follow. You see, as fathers here on this earth, that's what we are to do for our children in the same way. And then in verse 2, it goes on and it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, what God is trying to teach the Israelites, and what we must teach our children, is that God is our source. But if we don't believe that ourselves as fathers, and as, even as mothers, then how can we ever teach our children those things? And then in verse 4, it goes on to say, Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, and their clothes did not wear out, because God sustained them. Verse 5 says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Now, talking about discipline in today's age is tough. But like I said, it doesn't come from a place of anger or even frustration necessarily. It doesn't involve hatred, right, towards your child. That's not discipline. You see, but discipline is about teaching your children. And God has to teach us sometimes because when we wander off the path that God has for us, It requires discipline to correct our behavior, discipline to get us back to where he has called us to be. And this doesn't mean beatings and physical pain or punishment, but sometimes it comes down to situational and circumstances that God puts us in or allows us to be in because of our own actions to correct our own behaviors. You see, as God disciplines us, we are to discipline our children out of love out of compassion, out of care. You see, because discipline teaches and matures, it teaches us to be better, to do better, to know better, and to help our children grow and know the way in which they should go. It requires discipline. It requires to be tough sometimes, even if it's not easy. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12 say, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. You see, discipline, like I said, is not fun, but it is necessary. It is valuable. It's not done from anger, but from love. And we don't discipline just because we are mad, but rather because we care about our children and about those whom we discipline. This is how God 
does for us. God's discipline and the hardships that we go through are not because he hates us or he's angry with us, but because he loves us and wants us to be where he has called us to. Hebrews 12, verse 7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? See, do you not see it? Already just in this first one, can you not see how God is our father and we are his children? You see, as God disciplines us, it does come through hardship. But it's to teach us what he was teaching the Israelites in the wilderness. Is that he is our source. And he will sustain us, nothing else. Our dependency must be on him, not the things of this world. And so when we, when we put all of our hope in a job or in finances, or in popularity, or the way that other people look and think about us, then sometimes it takes God having to discipline us to correct us and get us back to where he's called us to. You see, and a lot of people will say, well, I don't discipline my children because I love them, and they know I care, so I just let them do what they want. They'll learn. They'll be okay. But a lack of discipline is honestly a lack of love. Because you don't care, because you're letting your children do something that you know they shouldn't do, that could harm them, that could cause them pain, both physically or emotionally. Discipline protects, and it loves. Now, the second responsibility of a father is to care for his children's needs. Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11, Jesus talks about this, and when he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, I love this example because, again, it depicts God as our Father. It clearly makes the connection and the correlation to God as a Father, whom we can go to when we are in need, just as we do with our earthly fathers just as we do with those whom we look to as a father. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's talking about do not aggravate your child, right? Do not treat them unnecessarily. Do not treat them unreasonably and cause unnecessary aggravation. You see, if, if you had never been in Spartanburg before when you were leaving the YMCA and you said, hey, I'm going to meet some friends at this restaurant called Wade's, how do I get there? And someone told you, well, you pull out of the parking lot, you turn right, go to the red light, turn left, and then it'll be so many red lights down on your right. That would be helpful. That is teaching. That is giving instruction. But if as a father you did something similar to your children where as to that person you're giving directions to, you just said, well, you just... Go out of the YMCA parking lot. Wade's is out there. What help are you giving to your children? What are you doing for them to care for them, to give them instruction and to care for their needs? You're helping them. You're guiding them. You're showing them the way. Now, it's their choice whether they listen and follow, but you're doing your part to care for what they need. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. You see, fathers, as, as we take care of our children, it is important that 
we do this in love, that we do this without neglect, right, or mistreating our children, but rather it is our responsibility to care for their needs just as God does for us as our Father. Now, the third responsibility that a father has is to lead his children. Genesis 18, verse 19 says, For I have chosen him, talking about Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. You see, as Abraham was to lead his children and family in following the Lord, Wherever he would lead them, so were we as fathers to our children and to our household. To point them in the way that the Lord leads, even if it might not make 100% sense, even if it's hard to see, even if it's difficult, we are to lead them in the way that the Lord leads us. Deuteronomy 6, this is Moses again talking to the Israelites. In verse 1, he says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you. To observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. You see, again, Moses, as the spiritual father to the children of Israel, is instructing them to keep the commands of the Lord. That's what we are called to do. We're to teach our children about God, to know Him, to seek Him, to obey Him, to follow Him wherever He may lead. To teach them that He is our provider, that He is the one who will sustain us. Nothing that this world offers will hold on to us and carry us the way that God does. But you see, the catch is you can't do this if you don't do it in your own life. So if you're a father and you don't follow the Lord or you don't spend time daily in God's Word, why would you expect your children to? How will they know? How will they learn if you don't do it yourself? So it's important for all of us as followers of Christ, as children of God, to seek Him daily and to follow him in obedience so that we can be an example for our children. The fourth responsibility that a father has is to protect his children, to protect his children. Deuteronomy 1, again Moses speaking, says, Then I said to you, do not be terrified, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you, as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. And in the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. Again, we find Moses, the spiritual father, teaching the children of Israel that it was God who carried them, not themselves, not their own desires, not their own willpower, but God fought for them. God carried them to where they were. You see, and that's how we must see ourselves is that God carries us through those hard times, through those difficult moments, those tough seasons in life. Because there's not much better than to be able to run to your father like we just sang in the song before when you need someone to help you, someone who can not only fight for you but carry you forward. 
Proverbs 14, verse 26 says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. You see, as fathers, we want to protect our children as best we can. That's what we're called to do. And I believe that we will do that. We will stand up against all odds to take care of our children and protect them. But it is also our purpose and responsibility to make sure that they know that ultimately it is God who is our protector, our refuge, our security. It all comes from God. And we must be there to point them to that truth. And the last responsibility I want to talk about that a father has is to love his children. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Romans 5 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And 1 John 4 16 says, We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You see, this last responsibility really is summed up in all of the four before it. Because if you truly love your children, you will discipline, you will care, you will protect, and you will lead them. That's what we're called to do as fathers. That's how God takes care of us, and that's how God shows his love to us. And just like God's love for us, we are to love our children in the same way. That means as much as humanly possible that we love our children. You see, because God's love for us is unconditional, it's undeniable, it is unending. Even though there are those who will deny it, it doesn't stop it from being true. It means that they just don't know it because maybe they haven't experienced it yet, because maybe they've ran from it their entire life. Or maybe they haven't had a father to point them to the love of God, the Heavenly Father. So they don't know it, they deny it, they ignore it, they try and act like it's not there. But God's love is real. Because when you know God, you know His love. And when you know God as a father, you know how it is to be loved by him as a child. No matter whether you are a father listening to this, whether you want to be a father one day, whether you're a mother, or whether you have no aspirations of being a parent of any kind, I want you to know two things. For those fathers listening you have a responsibility to love your children. And for everyone listening, father, parent, or not, you are a child of God who is loved by God. So now I want to take a moment, and I want you to turn your eyes to the screen. We want to watch and listen to a story from one of our very own fathers here at the Vine. My name is David, and this is my story. I grew up in a loving Christian home. My parents were active in the church, 
We were there every week. I knew about Jesus and that I needed to tell the pastor that I wanted Jesus to save me. One morning, I decided to walk down the aisle and tell the pastor I wanted Jesus to come into my heart. what I based my salvation on for years. I didn't fully understand what Jesus had done for me. And I struggled with doubt of my salvation. I was a good kid. I did all right in school and had an interest in music. On the outside, I seemed like I had it all together, but I struggled with a porn addiction. Our relationship suffered. Everything turned physical and not pointed towards God. I was ashamed. I felt dirty, unworthy. I wore a mask. I strive to be a talented musician and be the best Christian I could be. I started college and really struggled to find my place. I wanted to be a teacher, a band director. I withdrew from school and started working. Before I went back to college, I decided to go on a mission trip with my father to Africa. There, I met a missionary family and their daughter, and we immediately hit it off. We kept in touch and eventually started a relationship. But like all my other relationships, it was impure. We got engaged. I was playing guitar at a local church. However, she wanted me to come to New Spring with her. I was skeptical of a big church, but reluctantly went with her. Over the period of a few weeks, I felt God speaking to me through the message like never before. God was pointing out to me that I had been wearing a mask for so long, but that He could see right through it. The fourth week I went to New Spring, I was really nervous because during every invitation, God was really pushing me to accept Him. I was still basing my salvation off that little boy who walked the aisle and didn't fully understand what Jesus had done for me. During that service, February 5th, 2012, God revealed to me that he didn't just send his son so that I wouldn't have to die and go to hell. He sent his son so I could live me, dirty, unworthy, ashamed, impure, God knew everything I had ever done and ever was going to do, and yet He still sent Jesus to save me, to give me life, to give me peace. Here's the fascinating thing in every story that you heard today. Every one of them said,
God was trying to get my attention. He was doing this, he was doing this, he was doing this. And there are people here today that for days, weeks, months, or maybe even years, God has been trying to get your attention. And today's this day you stop running and you finally surrender your life to him. When Perry gave the invitation, I prayed this prayer. Right where you sit, I want you to confess. Just right where you sit, just in your heart, just, just confess Jesus Christ. Just pray Jesus Christ. I confess right now that you are my Lord. I confess that you are my God. And I confess that you are my King. Jesus, come into my life and take over. I surrender everything to you. You are my God and you are my Lord. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. I receive that payment now. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life, the best I know how. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Today is your day to let the world know that you just met Jesus and he's in your life. So when I hit three on every campus, don't look around. You just stand straight in your feet. You remain standing. One, two, three. You stand up right now. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to remain standing on every campus. We're going to celebrate with you because you just met Jesus. At that moment, a weight lifted off of me. My mask disappeared. I became real. I had a peace like I had never experienced. And since that moment, God has done so many things in my life. God showed me that I had a problem with lust. He showed me that I needed to get out of that relationship that I was in. He showed me that I needed to learn how to treat and see women through his eyes. He taught me what it was to be a man worthy of a woman's love. led me to a beautiful godly woman and her amazing family who would help me walk closer to him. I still struggle with the feeling of shame and guilt from my past mistakes, but then I look around at what God has blessed me with. I have an amazing wife and a beautiful baby boy. God gave me a son to give me a very small glimpse of his love for me. I can't begin to describe how much I love my little boy, and God's love is even more than that for me and for you.
just like we've been talking about all morning and been trying to highlight throughout all the scripture we've covered and what God has been reminding me of all week is that he's always been there even when we didn't know it it's always been him who has carried us through the storms of life it's always been him who has picked us up and put us on his shoulder so that we can make it and survive I don't know what your life holds I don't know what you've been through but I want to read something that Paul wrote in Galatians 4 6 he says because you are his sons God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out Abba father and Paul is speaking to the Galatian church here and reminding them and telling them that because they have put their faith in Christ they are now heirs and children of God so because of your faith in Christ Jesus you are no longer an orphan in this world but you are a child of God you see we are all born separated from God because of sin and because of the sin in our lives and the only thing that can get us back to him and reconcile us with God our Father is Jesus Christ you see God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for the sins that you would commit for the mistakes that you have made he cared enough for you to make a way that you could get to him you see and it's through your faith that God gives to you to have in Christ Jesus and through the power of his resurrection that allows that to happen and makes that possible and it's all because God loves you you know I asked you what you thought of God at the beginning and there were two categories one is loving and relational the other is angry indifferent and distant I want you to know in my hope and prayer is that you know God is loving and relational. That he has always been there and he has always been making a way for you. You know, as the father in the story of the prodigal son stood on the porch of his house out front waiting for his son to come back home. It said that when he saw him at a distance, he didn't just wait for him to walk all the way back or to crawl back and beg for forgiveness and ask for his father to accept him. No, when his father saw him a distance, he took off running to his son and embraced him. And God wants you to know, just like the prodigal father's son wanted him to know that he was loved and welcomed, God wants you to know that today you are loved and welcomed. Now, maybe you've never put your faith in Christ Jesus. Maybe you, this is the first sermon or message you've ever heard that has told you that God loves you. And so it's hard to wrap your mind around and to have that concept because you don't feel like you are lovable. But you can sum it up in these two verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, God's love for you is not based on your love for him, thankfully. God's love for us is not based on how good we are, thankfully. And God's love for us is not based on how hard we try, thankfully. 
God's love is simply based on how good he is. The good, good father. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior today, you don't have a relationship with God as your heavenly father, I want to give you that opportunity now because I believe that is why you are listening. I believe that's why you have found this opportunity to spend some time and hear God's word preached and hear some incredible worship that praises the name of our Heavenly Father. And so I want to give you that chance now. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ and you believe that now is that time right where you are, I don't care if it's in your home, if it's in a coffee shop, if it's at work, in the car, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I want you to surrender your life to Christ Jesus because God made this moment possible for you because of his love for you. So if that's you and you want to surrender to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I turn from my way. I repent of my sins. I turn to you. I believe you are my Lord and Savior. You lived the perfect life. You died the death I deserve. You rose from the grave in victory. Help me to follow you the rest of my life the best way I know. If you prayed that prayer, and that was the first time you've ever surrendered your life to Christ, on the count of three, I want you to respond. If you're in the house and that was the first time, raise your hand. If you're watching online and that was the first time, I want you to to leave the the hand-raised emoji or send us an email at hello at divine.tv. We want to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you, and we want to help you take your next step in following Jesus. So on the count of three, do that if that was you and respond. One two, three. We are so thankful that God has given us this opportunity to be here today, to celebrate our earthly fathers and to celebrate our heavenly father. I am thankful to have this opportunity to share his word. And I just pray that as I said before, that you leave today knowing God is loving and relational and he loves you and you are accepted. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for spending this day with us. We hope you have a blessed and wonderful rest of your day and a great and awesome week. And we can't wait to see you again next week. God bless.